stand to our feet tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and, and uh, be serving Him on this Wednesday night. Christian, men and women of the faith, getting ready to go in the rapture. God bless you tonight, and uh, thank you, musicians. And we'll turn to the scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I want to remember our brother Murphy Wong that's in China and ministry to the bride in China. We pray the Lord will bless our brother Murphy Wong tonight and Sister Tracy and their family. I'll just read a, a quote with you as we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Brother Branham was speaking to the people in, uh, in Kansas, and he said, if we could only do that tonight, if we could only realize that he's appearing to us in these meetings for one purpose, that's to release our desires that we have in him to us. I just really love this quote. I know it's familiar to you, but that's what he's been doing in these last meetings, releasing our desires that we have in him to us. But we've got to recognize his presence. And now how you recognize his presence is when the promised word for this age is made manifest. Not the promised word of Moses' age or any of the other ages, but the promise of the word for this age. May the Lord release tonight desires that we have in him to us tonight. Maybe we could have a word of prayer. So we've prayed already and sang, but if you'd like him to speak to you, you slip up your hand maybe to him and say, Lord, I have a request, I have a need. Our dear Heavenly Father, we appreciate to be able to come together and sing songs and worship you, the living God, to be able to lift up our hands and rejoice that we're a family. We've come together on a Wednesday night to hear your word and be strengthened in our inner man. Lord Jesus, may you pour in your grace and your mercy to every life here. May healing come within this building and within hearts and lives of every person. Now, Lord, you know the needs among us. As our brother Tom prayed in the back room before coming out, may you give each one of us a personal revival. May you move within our souls and awaken us, Jesus. We're not here to look at one another and just smile some facade. We're here to be real before your presence and before one another. We live in a very wicked day, in a very dark hour. We need the light of God to shine on our pathways. Shine, O oh God, tonight. May the pulsation of your spirit be deep within our souls, coming out through our spirits, into our bodies, from the youngest to the oldest. May every person that made the effort to come tonight May they feel by the end of the service it was good for them to be in the house of the Lord. That it, they would come again and again and always drink deeply. And Lord, push out further. And Lord, may your word be more precious as we near the end time. Father, may you, Lord, strengthen us as a body and individually tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. First Samuel chapter 30, we're going to step into... Uh, Brother David's life in the city of uh, Ziklag, a familiar scripture. Uh, we read it starting with verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. 
and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. And David, I like this part, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In other words, David reached down into something that was inside of him. And he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abithar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abithar brought thither. The Word of God. That's what we would say tonight. I get my comfort from the Word of God. And David inquired at the Lord. It wasn't a magazine or an internet site. It wasn't the popular opinion. He inquired at the Lord. Saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. Praise be to God. Sounds like the anointing of the word that came to us. She shall not fail. She shall not fall. And without fail, recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were in his church. pursued he and 400 men for 200 abode behind which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. Amen. So we're going to end here with David pursuing. God bless you. You can have your seat. Uh, just so you can rest a little bit. So uh, David's pursuing. Let's just skip down to verse 16. Didn't want to weary you tonight as we approach the word together. They had met an Egyptian uh, man as they pursued after their, to get their wives and their children, their young people. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread ab abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing just like the enemy does when he seeks, uh, thinks he's got an upper hand against the believer. Dancing and rejoicing and uh, spreading around because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there... Uh, escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. Look at verse 18. 
And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. Maybe some a believer needs to circle this verse tonight. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters. Neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Hallelujah. Just mark it. That's okay. David recovered all. And David took. David's a type of Christ. David took all of the flocks and the herds which they drove before those other cattle. And he said, this is David's spoil. Praise be to God. What a wonderful opening scripture. We have a victory for us tonight. A victory for the believer that when David got into distress and uh, David got into trouble, if you can look back to verse 6, David didn't throw up his hands and just uh, get all frustrated. He didn't throw in the towel. You can say amen tonight if something blesses your heart. He was already anointed to be king and nothing was going to stop him. No giant, as we heard over the weekend, no, no bear, no lion, nothing was going to stop David. And it's time that you and I as believers start taking the words that we're hearing, the, the appearing of the Holy Ghost in these meetings, releasing desires, releasing burdens, but not just services, not just meetings, but now believers grabbing a hold of the word and saying, that's my word, that's my token, that's my escape. That's thus saith the Lord. Tonight I want to speak on the awakening of hidden faith. The awakening of hidden faith. And the reason that we're speaking on this tonight, and we're going to go through uh, some of what we've heard uh, through our brother Stephen Abali and brother Dioka, and I just want it to mean something to us as the Wednesday night following, that we not just be hearers of the word only, but that we have an awakening within our lives, within our marriages, Within our families, as Brother Tom prayed, a revival within our church. Hallelujah. Ziklag was a city uh, meaning winding. And maybe tonight you're on a winding road of your experience. And it was a town in southern uh, Judah that was later allotted to the tribe of Simeon. That it was noted because it was a city that David was given by Achish because it was a time before he became king of Hebron, that David uh, with his family and his residents, but that is the place where many warriors were joined to David in this city. And it was also the place just a few months later that David received word of the death of Saul. And we see it as a molding place. We see it as a time in David's life as many of you are experiencing by what you're going through. There's trials and there's testings. But it's a good trial and it's a good testing because God is with you. But tonight I want to focus in and hone in on you as an individual because we all have ziklag. We all have times when things come up in our experience that we haven't walked that way before. And David had to reach uh, deep down into his own experience to reach down into a place of faith that was hidden over. Hidden over from a little boy. Hidden over as a teenager, hidden over as a young man, though he was anointed, 
He was not king yet, but his church had grown up to about 600 people, we'd say. But there was something hidden way down inside of David. Then in the time of adversity, he had to reach way down and grab a hold of. And that was a hidden faith. It was something that before that hadn't been manifested. Before that time, it hadn't been revealed. But this was the time for that something to be awakened. And it wasn't just his daddy. And it wasn't just his mommy. It wasn't just the priest. It wasn't just the temple. It was David had to encourage himself. Something that was hidden, something that was covered over, had to be tapped into. And even his friends and even his brothers wanted to stone him. So David wasn't looking to his peer group. He wasn't looking to the church people. They were looking down on him. Their wives were gone. Their young people were gone. They lost a lot of things. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And maybe tonight it's something hidden deep down inside of you. But adversity brings out the faith in all of us. It really tests whether what we've been receiving all these years is a mental faith or a personal faith. The time of adversity is not God questioning you. It's an opportunity for God to manifest His revelation through your life. Hallelujah. I pray God would awaken all of us to hidden faith. Tonight I want to tap down into those things as we speak together about this. Improving His Word. Brother Branham said in Jeffersonville, how does He make His Word known to the people? First, God knowing that there would be unbelievers. Now watch the wisdom of God. Knowing there would be unbelievers and how the majority would be unbelievers. Can we say amen to that tonight? The majority of people are unbelievers. He, by foreknowledge, predestinated a seed for every age that would believe it. Now, if you'll notice in there, for each age goes right on with his word, everything right on time, nothing hinders God. Hallelujah. Nothing hinders God. He goes right on, and every click is moving just exactly right. My, we can all take a deep breath tonight. That's good news for us. Hallelujah. That's better than a vinte, latte, grande of your, of your most caffeinated drink. This is the Holy Ghost coming to us. On a Wednesday night, we need words of comfort. We need words of leadership. We need guidance of the Holy Ghost. We need the man here that can turn on the light. We need the Lord Jesus in our meetings. We need the token in our homes. Hallelujah. We need His personal presence. For without that, we die. Without the Holy Ghost, we will die. Without the presence of God in our lives, we will die. But I'm so glad that man is in the building tonight. The Holy Ghost is here pressing Himself into us to awaken that hidden faith, that hidden character, those hidden virtues. That in some of you are just below the surface of our flesh. That God is wanting to bring the searchlight in there. And awaken those things. Awaken those desires. Every click is moving just exactly right. We think sometimes it's not going to work right. But don't you worry. 
His clock is timed just exactly to the split instant and everything's working just exactly right. Hallelujah. Lord, I commit it to you then. My life is in your hands. Everything about my life, I commit to you, Lord Jesus. So on a Wednesday night, what are we coming here for? What are we doing? And knoweth it not. Are we coming here playing a game? Are we coming here meeting as a lodge? It's Christ can't come until that church is perfectly right. He is waiting on us. So it's not just us waiting on His appearing. It's now believers that believing His Word and He is waiting on us. And, and we look in the next quote, and this day the Scripture is fulfilled. Brother Branham talking about believing in things and how the pe- people of the past ages, and he says, well, that wasn't your age. This is your age. This is your time. You say, well, if he was here, the Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same, so he is here, but he is here. And the world has civilized and become greater and educated more. He's here in the spirit form, which they cannot kill or put to death. He died once. He cannot die again. He had to be made flesh in order for God to be put to death in the flesh for sin. But this time he could never die. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, you're a type of John in the Scripture. And they tried to burn it out of him with oil. But it still couldn't burn out the Holy Ghost. There's something in you as a predestinated seed. And it might be hidden down there under a lot of history and past. But God is here to awaken those things. And awaken these resources that are laying within our lives. So let's look maybe into your lives as a believer. You might be in a winding pathway of things that are happening. And things have been taken away from you. Things might have been robbed by the enemy, and and they might be far away. But your David, the Holy Spirit, is coming after them. And we see great fear struck the church. It struck David. It struck the the, the brothers as it was. They lost everything in their lives, and they were moaning and groaning. But David looked into the Word of God. They knew by the reading of the books that there had to be a deliverance. And they went and they fought all the way. I'm glad God's laying it upon the hearts of some of you brothers and elders and family that you're not just going to roll over and die, but you're on the front lines of faith tonight. Even on a Wednesday night, we're here with our families because we need every word that we can drink from His presence. Hallelujah. And we're not going to be a dead church and roll over in formalism. And we're not going to bow and give in to the onslaught of Satan's perversion. And immorality, no, no, no. We're going to stand by the Word of God and say, Lord, awaken this faith that's down inside of me. Brother Branham saw a preview of the bride. He saw a preview. Remember, Ziklag was a place where many mighty Gentile warriors was restored into the church. And they were laying there, waiting for their promotion in the kingdom because of their faithfulness all those many years. And in recognizing your day, Brother Branham's talking about this preview of the bride and how she uh, passed by. And then the, the worldly church. Remember, it was the church passing by. And Brother Branham was standing there. I'm just stepping into this with you. 
how she was holding the paper in front of her, twisting and rocking and moving herself one side and then the other as she went, like the modern dances that they have of this day, using herself in an immoral act as she was marching on. And Brother Branham, because he's speaking out of this vision and out of this experience, I'm not responsible for these things, he said. I can only say what I've seen. And God is my judge. But that was the church from USA. That's United States of America. But I'll include Canada into that tonight. It's immoral. It's lewd. It's crude. And it's dancing to the rock and roll beat. Not the world. It was the church. What a hypocrite they are to decry the years of immorality with their priests. And they admittedly pay millions to cover it up. Millions to cover it up. And the next Sunday they go right back to their church. Right back to their ways of dogma and creed. And Friends, I say the Holy Spirit and the church of the living God. I'm grateful tonight. That is not our past. It's not our present. And it's not our future. They're still immoral and they're still lewd and naked tonight. Marching to the beat of rock and roll music. And as she passed by, the whole back part had no covering at all. And as she passed by, Brother Branham said, I felt faint and sickly. And he said, the bride will come into view again. Hallelujah. Who believes there's going to be a bride? This is the whole inspiration of finding this quote. There will be a bride. Hallelujah. She's being awakened right now. She's coming to her senses. She's recognizing her day. She's acting on the Word of God. Hallelujah. So here comes the bride, and as she begins to march on, he said behind her, the very same looking bride that passed at the beginning, my heart jumped for joy to know that there will be a bride. She will be made of the same thing, clothed in the same thing. And the one that was at the beginning, she is to be called. So it's Christ in her. Christ in the beginning. Christ at the end. We are called of God. I I just love the word, friends. And, And he said, I know that is the truth. And if it isn't truth, then every vision that I've had in the back has been wrong. And anyone knows that no one thing has he, ever, has he ever told me but what was the truth. It come to pass. He said, you can see then the filthiness of the modern church calling herself a church. In another place, he just called them a lodge. That's where people just gather around. I'm glad we've been called out of just a lodge. Just a social club. And don't make this church just your social club. This is a place where we're fed the Word of God. Where even 20 years ago the messages were screaming out against sin and screaming out against unbelief. I pray that those messages would never be too old for us. But the modern day would not dilute down our senses. But we can hear the straight, true Word of God. And know that we need it in this dark hour. Driving back demons. Delivering us from evil. Giving us power. 
anointing us to face the ungodly elements we face every day. We need a backbone. God, awaken us and even our children and the new generation to have a personal revelation that it's not the preacher, it's not the daddy, it's not the mommy, it's not my friend, it's the Word, it's Christ in me. Can you say amen tonight? Oh God, so as we speak about the awakening, sorry I'm a little rusty, it's been about a few weeks. Some people ask where we get our messages from, it's the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. When we speak about the awakening, it has to do with something that's developing inside of the believer. It's growing in you. It's emerging. You're being awakened. An awakening has to do with an arising. It has to do with something that's coming out of. When we look in the scripture in Mark 4, when Jesus was laying and resting asleep on a pillow, Mark recorded it, that he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. The Bible says they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? That's the root word of the word awakening is awake. He arose. It means to arouse oneself. Now, I'm not speaking about Jesus. I'm speaking about you as the bride. It means that there's an arousal and an awakening or an inciting to be aroused or to be stirred up. And I know some might not like this, but to be awakened means to be excited. Hallelujah. It means to be triumphant. Some people wonder why the ministry is so positive and why we're just not a bunch of repeaters and quoters. It's something inside of us. It's exciting. God help all of us, friends. It, it started the pulpit and go right to the pew and in the nursery that even our children are excited about serving God. Just cast out all that boredom spirit. And we've been here before and done that. No, God's awakening us. To hidden faith. There's resources inside of all of us. It's time to come out of your shell. Stop being a number and be counted for the chosen few. I'm going to take off my coat a little bit. Some of us need a good stirring up. We need to be excited. We are triumphant because we are His victory. Friends, if you're not in victory tonight, just come on over on the Lord's side. You are His victory. Say, I'm defeated. No, He's lifting you up tonight. You're being aroused. Right now as you hear the Word, you're being awakened. Oh, you say, that's Brother John. He's excited. Here we go again. No, begin to look beyond the badger skin. Look into the holiest of holies. Find out what you've been hearing through the week and on your job and in the news is the negative. There has to be a positive. The very month they're, they're, they are legalizing marijuana in Canada ought to be a, a sign that the Holy Spirit... That's a perversion. And just because it's legal, don't make it moral. I said just because it's legal doesn't make it moral. It's a good dose of the Holy Ghost 
We need to be shot up with the Holy Ghost and not some temporary fix that some perverted politician had in the 60s and he's just gotten older and so he legalizes it and said it's okay for your 18-year-olds to have it. It's not okay. You say, well, God made the poppy. He absolutely did. And he gave us the Holy Ghost. Don't even go there, friends. The Holy Ghost is our drink. Hurt not the oil and the wine. Please pass the wine around here a little bit. Amen. We've been drinking on that a little bit in the last few weeks. Amen. So an awakening means that you are acting in an aroused manner. Someone just laying down on the ground or they're not working, they're not providing, they're not being what they ought to be. They need an awakening. It means to be aroused from sleep and to arouse the mind. Paul used the word to stir up your mind. So it means to render someone that has been spiritually inactive in the church, to render them active. That's the duty of the Holy Ghost. I was sitting on my couch this afternoon looking over my notes, and this came into my heart. You've all heard the phrase, I didn't know they had it in them. Who's ever heard that before? Uh, We didn't realize that you had that in you. Or you've heard the phrase, we didn't know that he had it in him. Or you look at a sister and say, I didn't know she had it in her. What was that? It was something that was hidden that just came out. That's what I'm speaking on tonight. It's an awakening of something that was hidden, of faith. That a prophet said, even when you were a little girl, it was there. From a little boy, you've desired this. But we're talking about a season when you're awakened. It's aroused. You've been laying dormant for months and years. And the Holy Spirit says, this is the season for that person to come on. There's a character quality that's been laying hidden down there. And the Holy Spirit is saying, now is the time for it to come out. It's a hidden talent. And the church has been needing it for a long time. The body of Christ has been needing this virtue in you for a long time. It's been hidden down there. And it's been covered over. But now the Holy Spirit, by His Word, begins to arouse a nature that would move the body forward. That was the Holy Spirit talking to me on my couch today. Amen, Brother Mike. Because of the season we are living in, it calls for an awakening within the believer. And it's not like somebody waking you up in the middle of the night and shaking you and then, oh, it's just a joke and laughing and they just meant to be funny. That's not funny. <laughs> you know, to awaken somebody and then just say, I thought it was a fire. I thought it was, that's not funny. You, you can laugh. Amen. It's not funny. Amen. So I'm not speaking about an awakening for just frivolity or get all excited or pump somebody up and then just say, oh, it's not real. 
Think a little deeper tonight. But because of this season, God is awakening you for a certain reason. Get up and get moving. There's a work for you to do. Not when you get older, but for right now. He's awakening you for a purpose. Not to laugh at you and show you your heirs of the past. And to show you your nakedness of your sin and push you over into hell. No, remember the vision on the preview of the bride, excuse me, Brother Branham saw there was no restoration for those that were going in the wrong direction. They were only manifesting what was already inside of them. Let me encourage you tonight. What is happening right now in your life is not just a test and then God's going to kick you over into hell. No. It's actually God showing you that you are the man and the woman for the season. He has a purpose for your life. Lord, arouse all of us. Amen. Shake us, God. If I'm laying dormant, if there's a quality of the Holy Spirit, Brother Ray, that was laying in you way over in Africa, then moved to England, then moved to our church, then we needed you. We need one another. I'm going to hone down in here personal, so don't, don't lose this right now. When, when we talk about hidden faith, awaken to hidden faith, we're speaking about a faith that had been previously not revealed in your life. It had been covered over. It hadn't been manifested. It hadn't been expressed yet. You might have been sitting in the church for years. You might have been born in the church and gone to Sunday school and camps and meetings and youth meetings and prayer meetings. But there was a hidden faith inside of you. And there comes a time of an awakening of something that had been concealed, but it had not been shown yet. There was a character inside of you or a reflection that only this trial or this season could properly bring out of your life. Up until now, it's not been fully tapped into. And the Holy Spirit is saying very clearly, now is the time. Now is the season. Now is your age. Now is your moment for it to be unveiled. And it is automatic in a godly female, and we all are in that area of being the bride of Christ, that we tend to pull back in that time of challenge or, uh, or the male part calling us into the inner chamber. If we haven't been there before, we tend to be hesitant. We tend to be nervous. We tend to be ashamed. We tend to, because we haven't been there, we're just a little bit anxious. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, this is your time. This is what I called you for. Now we're going to get personal. Hallelujah. It's about 8.30, so we got a little bit of time yet, don't we? We've been hearing these messages over the last two weekends from Stephen and Bonnie. Who appreciated those services? I know. And the child grew Friday night. Sunday morning, look and live. Sunday night, humility. I just spoke to him briefly and I said, Brother Stephen, I learned something from you. Just keep your title short, to the point, and just a few words. Amen. I, I need to learn to do that. Amen. And the child grew 
look and live, and humility. And then Brother Richard Deoka came and spoke on Friday night, the deliverance of God in perilous times. Who appreciated that? And then Sunday morning again, another part two, the deliverance of God in perilous times. We need these kind of sermons. We are living in perilous times, not just a service to say amen to, and oh, that's nice, a visiting preacher, and oh, you, you try to work through their accents or get through their culture, but no, no, it's none of that. As we heard Sunday night, there's a restoration of the bride. Michelangelo looked at a rock and saw Moses. Somebody else that was not trained just saw a hunk of rock. Hello, everybody. Somebody else looked at and saw nothing but a bunch of rocks. God looked at that and said, that's my bride. I'm talking about revelation or faith. Hidden down inside of that stone, the world would call junk, is a beautiful bride. Wouldn't you like to be under the hands of Michelangelo? Or would you like to be under the hands of another junkie, preacher, smoker, doper, on drugs? Just telling everybody to, it's going to be okay, but it's not okay. No, I'd say, Lord, put us under the hands of skilled craftsmen that look beyond my present and they have a vision. Amen, Lord. We are under a vision. I was thinking today as, as a little youth and boy raised in the message and coming up and, and becoming a minister and, and now serving in the body of Christ for these years and with young people and children. It's actually a, a, a quality to be able to look above the present situation and see them down the road and speak to that person. It would help us in our family. It would help us in our church. If God would awaken that hidden something to not just always be looking at the present situation, but look up a little bit and see a few months down the road. Look a few years down the road. Start speaking to the potential and the behavior instead of the behavior you're seeing right in front of you. Did the point get across? Stop looking at just the now and look beyond that and start speaking to that. As I heard the word these last two weekends, I would say whether it's visiting ministry or local ministry, whether we hear Brother Branham on a tape, which we should, whether we read our Bibles, or whether we're in personal prayer. It's very important to catch the continuity of what the Holy Spirit is conveying to the church. Do you agree? And I want to say tonight, whether it's visiting ministry, local ministry, or hearing from our prophet, or reading in the Bible, or praying, they are all saying the same thing. Especially at this local church, where you've been privileged to have the ministry so faithful. They are saying the same thing. God is not divided, and neither is His people. It's usually our perception that needs adjustment. It is how we're looking at things that need focusing. The problem is not in God or His Word. Times have changed. 
Seasons have changed. Culture has changed. I'm glad you're listening real close. But the Word has never changed. But after these last two weeks of special services, and as we consider and meditate and look into the presence of God, the question comes to the surface. Are we really catching the importance of the Word we are hearing? Is the Word that we are hearing penetrating deep down into the area of our souls to have the effect that it should. I know this is the Wednesday after two great weekends of services, but it's a fair question. Is the word that we're hearing penetrating deep down to the area of our souls where it's having the effect that it should? I'm not questioning your experience, I'm just putting this out there to, Lord, awaken these desires. Are we living our daily lives at the same level of the Word that we're hearing? That's a fair challenge to all of us. The Word goes out so strong. It is so mighty. But when it brings down into our daily living, our marriages and our families, are we living our daily lives at the same level that the Word is coming at? You know, last weekend, right while we were here, and it was shared to me by my brother uh, that lives in Louisville, Kentucky, but last weekend, last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was the annual uh, United Pentecostal uh, Denomination Convention in Louisville, Kentucky, last weekend. And I, I heard some of their archive services, and I, I was just watching as you can scroll through real quick and see their sermons and what they're actually what the elders are speaking now because they realize that the, the newer ones coming up and, and the generation coming up and they're trying to rally the vision of the Pentecostals and rally. This is their annual international conference that they had in Louisville. And when I heard their music and I saw the emphasis and you see the women and the dress and how the men were and the atmosphere of the people and their main focus. This is their international convention of the UPC, United Pentecostal Church. This is a church Brother Branham spoke about. He spoke about the denomination. He spoke about the church of the USA. And you can see their vision and how they're targeting major cities in a global effort to try to rally the people. I'm so thankful we have heard from our Elijah that has turned our hearts and that the rallying cry isn't some beating some something that's just been rehashed for the last 110 years. And it's still speaking in tongues, prophesying, and laying on of hands, and the music going. And you can see it very visibly while the music is going and the guitars. And they are very animated with their, with their Hollywood cameras and, and showing to the world. This is the best that they have. And I thank God for the message of the hour. That we can be hearing the Word of God. Not just from years ago, but a life-giving resource that can awaken the new generation to a genuine experience with God. I thank God for that.
I would say that the high caliber and quality of the word that we've been hearing should be producing a faith in our lives. It should be bringing an automatic action. The week after we hear it, there ought to be daddies, mommies, young people, single people implementing the word. It ought not to be just back to the same old, same old, same old, back to our lifestyle, back to this Wednesday night, back to our work. There ought to be serious change within the congregation. Because of the words that we're hearing is at that caliber and the quality of the word. It ought to be producing lifestyle changes in our families. In individuals. And then collectively, that God desires. Not that men are putting sermons together and what would be good for, you know, to get an amen or get the people all whooped up. That's what Pentecost does. And they're better than us at that. we got to go deeper than that. So the real challenge is, What can we do more, all of us, to have the spoken word be more translated from just a spoken word to where it's a daily lived out relationship with Jesus Christ? Where people, men and women, feed from this word, drink from this fountain, and love Jesus more. Love Christ more. I would say... Our daily prayer and desire, especially after tonight and after the Lord continues to water these seeds of these fine messages we've heard. Lord, let the word that we hear be manifested and let it be manifested into your desire and into an effect within my life. Lord, awaken my faith. David and Ziklag, the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I was thinking of this message tonight and preparing, and I was thinking of the awakening of a new generation. Stay with us tonight. We're going to fill up the whole hour we've been given and just cut it right off. Amen. But I'm thinking of the new generation and the awakening that they need. When Brother Branham in, in the spoken word is the original seed, Three times said each generation has its revival. It gets a chance at the word. Then he said each generation has its revival. Then he said each generation has its revival. It gets a chance at the word. Brother Bradham spoke this in Jeffersonville on blushing prophet even before his own congregation. And then he had an altar call and there were many people coming, young and old. But he began to point out young people coming, young women and young men weeping, life before them, being at the crossroads of life. Then he made the statement, he said, do we realize, old men, when we were boys, that our boys has got ten times the temptation that we had? Let me just give you a word of encouragement. Stop shutting off the minister when you say, I've heard that before. It's time to take the word and say, do I do that in my heart? Recognize that the generation following us have it ten times harder than I did? Then how do you treat that generation? Now 
we have another generation following that generation. So it's a hundred times worse than there ought to be, as we heard Sunday and through these last weeks, more grace, more mercy. I'll say whatever it takes to get our attention is exactly what we need. It's not being childish. That's catching the heart for the kingdom. Brother Branham said, our boy has got ten times the temptation that we had. Sister, do you realize that your daughter has ten times the temptation that you had when you was a girl? What will her daughter have? He said, look at the things. He's speaking blessing prophet. Look at the things. The pictures the devils are painting. Oh, how we need to pray. I have this quote in my church office as a daily reminder. And I approach our senior young people at BCA with this, the first devotion of the year. As someone that's been raised in the message to say that when I raised my children, they had it ten times worse than I did. But now my children are older, and and I have grandchildren. There's another generation, and that's the ones we're speaking to now, that have it ten times worse than they do. Then the attitude and approach from the ministry ought to be where it's not that we've been there, done that, preached that, but it's, Lord, what do we need to be effective now in this generation to capture the hearts of our children? This is deeper than what some of you might want to go, but this is exactly what we need. Our children have it ten times worse, and our grandchildren have it ten times worse. So we approach that in humility, knowing that God has called them to be that age. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1 together. Real quickly with your Bible, let's do just a real quick Bible study here. In Joshua chapter 1... We could quote this, but some might miss it. So let's just turn to the scripture in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Lord, help us to be awakened to the season we're in and the age we're living in. And then to know what to say and how to deal with the situation. In Joshua 1, verse 1 and 2, we see... After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua. In verse 2, we find Moses, my servant, is dead. So we find Moses passing away, the ministry of Moses, the prophet. Go to the next book of the Bible, which is Judges. Judges chapter 1, verse 1. This is worthy of, of your study or personal time to look at this, to see that we're in the same cycle in the message. Judges 1 1 is now after the death of Joshua. It came to pass that the children of Israel asked of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now Joshua has passed away. And you can read in Joshua 1, even in verse 19. That the Lord was with Judah. Judge, I'm sorry, Judges 1.19. That the Lord was with Judah and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain. 
Judges 1.19. But he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Or they had the ability to be overcomers in this area, but not in this area. Verse 21, you see, the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites. Verse 27, you see, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants. Verse 29, you see, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants. Verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants. Verse 33, neither did Naphtali. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. The Bible goes on to record they did not drive out the enemy. They had heard Moses. They had heard Joshua. Verse 34. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain and goes on to speak. Chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. God begins to speak. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no N-O league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Therefore I, said also, I also said I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and your gods, their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. Verse 5, we see this was in a place called Bosom, which means weeping. weeping. So every person went into their inheritance, verse 6. Verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. As long as Joshua was alive and the elders that were with Joshua, song leaders, trustees, deacons, Sunday school teachers, as long as they were able to keep the message of the prophet Moses in front of the people, the people had victory. But when they begin to pass away and go, as we see in verse 8, Joshua died being 110. In verse 9, they buried him. Verse 10 is a very sad verse. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. Moses was the prophet. And we know today the Holy Spirit worked through Brother Branham's ministry to bring us a Joshua commission. Then there was Joshua and there were elders. There were people that farreled the field. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, into the year 2000s, many of them have either gone by the way of the grave or are very elderly. I'm bringing it very quickly to where we are in the message. We are right there in verse 10 where another generation rose up. They do not know the Lord. And that is where we get verse 11 from. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Verse 12, they forsake the Lord their God. As we see that it brought him out and followed other gods and they provoked the Lord to anger. The same cycle has repeated again. And I want to say it is being repeated. Where you have people that knew Brother Branham, 
Many of they, they were raised up for years, and there was a great cry. And now years have gone by, and there's a generation rose up right amongst the message believers that don't know the Lord. They know Moses. They know Joshua. They can sing only believe. They can sing amazing grace. They know how to walk the walk, talk the talk, sing the song, but they don't know the Lord. And I pray tonight that there would be an awakening in that generation. As Daniel prophesied, there would be a people that would know their God and do great exploits. Praise be to God. I just pray, Lord, awaken the new generation. Awaken moms and dads. Awaken all of us in the church of the living God to know the hour, know the season. Brothers, can you just skip ahead to number 12, Brother Joseph? Thank you. As we come to, to the end of the service. There has been untapped resources. But now awakened faith that has been tapped into. And we see even over the weekend. This illustration that, that Brother Dioka brought to us. Friday night and Sunday. Do you remember? The glasses and then the piece of uh, paper that were as an as illustration that the world is falling apart and the brokenness of everything outside of Christ. I'm bringing this now into a conclusion for you. The world is falling apart and everything outside of Christ is being shaken. And just a month ago we spoke on unbroken families and how the family of God cannot be broken. Do you remember that? And the body of Jesus Christ is His victory. And we will not accept defeat at the hands of any demon spirit or any hounds of hell, any fallen angel. I don't care if there was a song leader, leader, administrator, preacher, daddy, mommy, uncle, cousin, auntie. Brother Branham called him fallen angel and Jude spoke about it too. Then you as a believer has got to say, I am not going to allow a fallen angel, a demon spirit, the hounds of hell, or any unbelief break me. I'm part of the family of God, and she will not be broken. No matter what Satan, let this be a, a war cry for this campaign. No matter what Satan, the devil, Lucifer, tries to do to harm us, to divide us, to separate us, and as we heard over the weekend, to break us, to crush us, to annihilate us, to deform us, at the end of it all, our God wins. We will not be broken, we will not bend, and we will not bow. Some of you thought it was childish, but it was actually a very powerful demonstration. And we didn't charge him for the glasses. Look at this. It's all over the ground. It just made a mess for Brother Alex. I asked, asked, asked Brother Alex how that was, cleaning up that glass. But look at this. This is what Satan desires to do to you. To your marriages, our marriages. To our families and to every message church. He wants to break you, crush you, try to annihilate you, deform you. 
And you as a believer, as an individual, has got to say that will never happen. And this is a whole other message. But I know that for some marriages, individuals, family, there seems to be brokenness. And you're looking right at the Word, and you hear the Word, and you hear very powerful sermons, and then you're left to go home to deal with these issues that seem to be broken. Some of our people in our church are very crushed. The hounds of hell are right on their case, and they're biting at their flank, and they're grabbing their oxygen, and they're getting, trying to get our children, and they're trying to get our young people. And it's time for the Davids among us and those mighty warriors to leave the city of weeping. And grab your sword and go after the enemy. Not the preacher. Not the teacher. Not always someone else. It's you taking responsibility. I will get my wife. I will get my husband. I will get my sons. I will get my daughters. And Satan will not spoil us. Respectively. Stop putting it all from behind the pulpit. We have heard the word. It's a spoken word. But now it's mature believers grabbing that and bringing it down into their daily lives. And we're saying that will not happen to us. I think we all agree that the world is falling apart. I think we all agree that the systems of this world is falling apart. But our faith as individuals is not in the politics of this world. We're going to end the service very strong, so just stay with it. It's not in politics. It's not in national heritages of cultures and backgrounds. None of us can be really proud of all of that. So our faith, I'm speaking from our title tonight on Awaken to a Hidden Faith. It is not our natural heritages. We're not hanging our hat or our coat on our culture. Don't get quiet. We're not. Mine or yours. I'm not going to bow to yours. And each one of us daily are dying to ourselves. We ought to be in the same boat together. Go awaken the bride in the ship. Our faith is not in the money systems and the institutions and the financial systems of this world. It is not. Our faith is in God. Our faith is not in the countries that we live in or that we're from or the nations that we are from. Our faith is not in education and it's not in the credentials that men would give us or certificates. Say, but I labored hard. I studied hard. I worked hard. But we need to labor and hard for the things of God right alongside our labors. And don't get quiet now. Our faithfulness in natural things, it ought to be in spiritual things. Our faith is not in our degrees or our trades or our years of experience. Now and as we go along from this point on, you will recognize more and more. To the world, you're just a number. But to God, you are eternal. So when someone of the world says, you're you're nothing, you're no good, you're a failure, take what God says. 
He called me his wife. He calls me his queen. And yes, I'm nervous. Yes, I feel little. But that's what the word says about me. So our individual faith is not in the economies of our land. It's not in our government. Or whatever political party that you are, or your daddy, or your grandpa, or your uncle. Just forget all that, friend. It's not a political party. And you see all the yard garbage around, especially this time of the year, and signs. It's all over the road. This woman, that man, this, that. Friends, the world's falling apart, friends. And it doesn't matter what, who it is, whose name's on that little sign. Friends, it's falling apart. Lord, shake us, Lord. It's not in clubs. Our faith is not in our unions or our guilds or our society that we may be a part of in the natural, but spiritually it's very clear. The Word of God is our absolute. It's not in men and it's not in women. And it's definitely not in the worship of flesh that we see Hollywood and Paris and this whole world getting intoxicated with the worship of men and the worship of women. We will not be deluded down to that. It is holiness unto the Lord. It's not in groups or social clubs or communities or networking that's going to get you in the rapture. It's not family heritages or clans or your homes. It's not just churches and fellowships and denominations and affiliations that gives you rapturing faith. It's something down inside of the believer. It's a hidden faith that needs to be awakened at this hour. Some of you might need this tomorrow when, you're, when you are challenged to bow and to give in. Our faith is definitely not in the sports, in the sports clubs of this world that come and go and wear their earrings and tattoos and abuse their wives. And You can guarantee they're not in church on Sunday. They're traveling around the world gaining profits and millions for whoever. To be on a yacht and to go to a strip club and to do whatever they do. We're not of that kingdom. I pray the Lord shake some of us to get our eyes back on the Word. It's not on entertainment. It's not on media. It's not on devices and connections. Be careful about your influence. Even elders in our church and older ones are so glued into their device. Some of you are addicted to your device. And if someone even asks you or challenges you, you are so offended. I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about older ones. I say, Lord, awaken our spiritual desires. It's not on medicine or medical schools or doctors or nurses, though we appreciate them. Our faith is in the Lord. It's not in science or intelligence or in their theses. It's not in the gods of this evil age. And it's not in the immoralities of the world. And my list ends right here. It's not in the tree of knowledge. It's in the tree of life. Lord, awaken us to these things. Let us see, as Brother Branham said, and our musicians come in perfect faith. 
Jesus had perfect faith. He had it. And it come because he was the word. And you become the word. You become the word as you receive the word. And don't think, friends, that just because you hear the word that you're becoming the word. It's as you receive the word. A prophet drew his sword and said, hearing, recognizing, acting. So you say, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing. No, we become the word as we receive it. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words in you, my words, which, then he said, this word abides in you. Then ask what you will, and it will be done for you. See, if ye say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt, but believe in what you've said, then you shall have what you said. When you pray, believe that you receive what you ask for, and ye shall have it. It will be given to you. Time, space, nothing else will ever change it. You know it's done. It's already, it's already over with. Oh, God, awaken our faith tonight. He's offloading the burden from Jesus to just the prophet to you and I. If you say, if you pray, and some of us just kind of fold our arms, say, oh, that's nice, and we go home tonight, and that's why there's no overcoming. It's time to take the Word, apply the Word, receive the Word, and you become the Word. Paul said it like this, so then faith... Cometh by hearing, and hearing, sorry, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's the Word of God that gives us these victories. Thank you, Lord. Awaken us tonight. As we stand to our feet, let your Word be born in the manger of my heart. Let it live in me. Let it start. Live inside this house of clay. Went over my time, five minutes. As we bow our heads tonight, who would say, Lord, awaken me to this faith. Awaken me, Jesus. Moses has had his life. Joshua and those that outlived him have had their life. They are living their elder years. It's time for you and I to know the Lord. Say, Lord, grow up through me. Develop through me, Jesus. Both my hands are raised. Arise through the congregation. Arouse us, Lord Jesus. Our heads are bowed. Our hands are raised. In the hinder part of the boat, maybe. But let the bride be awakened. Let the master of the ship step into now the bride and begin to speak the word. Arouse your people, Jesus. Awaken fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, young and old, children, young people, elders, middle-aged and old. It is this season. It is this time. It is this moment that we were raised up for. Let there be an unveiling in our lives, Lord Jesus. Let there be a humility. Let us look and live. 
let us grow. And the church grew. And David grew. And the 400 and the 600 and the body grew. Oh, let it be that all that Satan desired to take from us, that our great king would come out through our lives and restore all things, that nothing would be lost. You will never break your covenant with us. I pray that we would keep our part to you. And in our weakness right now, as some confess, as some even lay it all out on the altar, as some even in their hearts right now, make it a place of commitment and consecration that you would take our lives, Lord Jesus. At the close of this service, we have heard your word. Service after service, meeting after meeting, visiting ministers, local ministers, to our prophets, when we open the scriptures and when we pray, it is saying the same thing. I pray there would be a great awakening. Let the hidden things that for years might have been covered over, may they come to the surface. And may the church of the living God begin to march greater and greater than ever before. We are not living by fear. We're not condemned with our past. We want it to be under the blood. Our dear precious Savior, as Rahab desired it to be under the blood. May a true token come out for every heart. And give us strength for one another and for our families. And as a church, Lord, may we stay unbroken and never divided. And may we never be part of any strife or breakages locally or in another location. May our influence never be negative in another city, in another message church, in another country, but may our influence always be positive. Let it always be said that we were uncompromising. We were wise in these perilous times. Let it be said that we lived under the blood so that you can find no fault with us, our precious Savior, our precious Jesus, our lovely one. Bring us in to the holiest of holies. Cover us, Lord Jesus, with the garment of your word that none of us here be found naked. None of us, Lord, even those that are streaming right now or will in the future, cover the bride of Christ with your precious word and may it fit just right. And if we need to lose some spiritual weight, let us be willing to discipline ourselves and come under your presence so that there is no spot or no wrinkle or any such thing. Live in us, Jesus. I raise my hand with this congregation and ask for your presence to go with us now. Our brother Stephen Abali is back home. Our brother Dioka is on his way back home. May we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May our 
lives to one another be rock solid. May we encourage one another. When people see us, may they see Jesus. And may we handle one another with delicate care. Not knowing the full effects that the person right next to us is facing at this very moment. We give you our lives unreservedly. In Jesus' name.
us on Sunday, the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. God bless you. You're dismissed.